The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. If you have your Bible, would you go ahead and turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and also Acts chapter 16. We're going to look at two stories from one from 2 Chronicles 20, one from Acts 16, and then we're also going to read Isaiah 30. So if you want to start in Isaiah 30, that'll be the first one I get to. Uh, We've been in a series for the last several weeks called Too Busy Not to Pray, and we've been talking about the importance of prayer in our life. And I woke up this Monday morning planning on sharing another message in this series, but as I was praying, uh, God had something else in mind, and since he's the boss... Um, I decided to go with what he had in mind. So today I actually want to talk to you about something a little different than what we've been in. We are going to continue and finish our series next week on Too Busy Not to Pray. But today I want to talk to you about worship. And I want to talk to you about an aspect of worship that I think is very overlooked today in the world. Something that maybe you didn't realize was actually something that has to do with worship. But it's a powerful, powerful thing that we have at our disposal. And that is using worship as a weapon against the enemy and against the troubles of this world. If you're uh, you're a note taker today, write this down. Worship is a weapon. Worship is a weapon. And we need it to be a weapon because in this world we have troubles. How many of you would be honest enough to raise your hand and say that you are facing some difficult troubles from time to time in your life? If that's you, would you raise up your hand? Okay, everyone with your hand, keep your hands raised, keep your hands raised. Look around the room, all right? Everybody look around the room. You, You notice something? We all pretty much have our hands raised, right? Because we all face stuff. We all have troubles. We all have problems. In fact, Jesus said in, in Matthew or John 16, he said this, in this world, you will have trouble. He didn't say, in this world, you could have trouble. You might have trouble. No, he said, you will have trouble. We will have trouble. Every one of us is going to face stuff in life. We're going to face difficult situations. We're going to face problems. And my question to you is this. When problems arise, when trouble comes against you, how do you fight back? What's the weapon that you use to battle against the troubles of this world? Now, the problem that I see very often, and I think we all fall into, is that all of us are born into this world with some default settings, where when trouble comes against us, we fall into these default settings. And, and the problem with the default settings is they don't really help. <laughs> we do stuff like we, we worry. Uh, worrying about the problems and what's going to happen and how this is going to work out. We get anxiety. We get depressed. Maybe we get angry and we rise up in anger. Uh, or maybe we turn to some other things to maybe try to get some relief from the problems of this world. Maybe we turn to drugs or alcohol, or pornography, or food. Thanksgiving's coming up in a few days. We're going to be eating some food. And the problem is these vices, these pro- all of this stuff, when we turn to it, while it may sometimes bring a little bit of relief, it doesn't bring lasting relief. And it can't. But there is something that can, that God has given us the ability to, to participate in something That when we do, it will bring help and it will bring relief and it will help us to fight against the troubles of this world. And that is our worship. Because I want you to know something this morning. Worship is more than just a song. 
Worship is more than just adoration to God. Yes, it's adoration. Yes, when we worship, we're singing songs to God and we're praising Jesus. That's a huge part of what it's all about. That's, that's, that's probably two-thirds of what it is. But I want you to know a third of it is an assault on the enemy. It's us going to war against the enemy. It's us fighting because we have an enemy that we need to fight against. And God has given us the weapon of worship to fight against him. Look at this. This is Psalms 8 verse 2. I'll show you this in the Bible. Psalms 8 verse 2 says this. Through the praise of children and infants. Now, stop right there. Children and infants. You think about them in the society that we live in. They are the weakest among us, are they not? They are the ones that have the the least ability to fight back. Uh, They just don't have it in them. But look at what it goes on to say. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies. God's talking to us. We establish a stronghold against our enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. And when it says here that we can silence the foe and the avenger, that that word silence there actually means to, to cause something or someone to desist in all activity. Here's what it's saying. When you worship God, even the weakest among you, when you choose to worship God, what happens is God comes beside you and he begins to war against your enemy. And and your worship doesn't just silence the enemy. It actually stops the enemy. It it, it stops him in his tracks against you and and every attack that he would have against you. Because worship is a weapon. And, And listen, the enemy hates worship. He, does, he wants to do everything he can to stop you from being able to worship, to prevent you from engaging with God in worship, to try to steal away your worship and, and point your worship towards the wrong things. He, he works hard to do that in your life because he knows how powerful worship can be. Now, I want you to look at this with me. This is Isaiah chapter 30, and, and this was the verse that God brought me to this week, and I was sitting in Rudy's barbecue. Have you ever been to Rudy's barbecue? And I had a God moment in Rudy's. It was awesome. I about turned the table over. I got so excited reading this. I, I, when I grew up, I had a pastor, and he used to say this. He'd say sometimes when he was preaching, he'd say, I want you to get your shouting clothes ready. I don't exactly know what that means, but get your shouting clothes ready, okay? Here we go. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 29. I want to explain this to you. It says, but you will sing. Okay, stop right there. Who is you? Well, well in this verse, God's talking to the children of Israel. The children of Israel are a picture of the children of God. Uh, when, when we get saved, when we make Jesus the Lord of our life, we become children of God. We are born into the family of God. So what was true, the covenant promises that were true for the Old Testament Jewish people, Hebrew people, are true for the New Testament Christians. Okay, so this is true for us. It says, but, where am I? But you will sing through an all-night holy feast. Your hearts will burst with song. Make music like the sound of flutes on parade en route to the mountain of God. Now stop right there. So, so we're talking in this verse here about this group of people who are the children of God and they're worshiping God. And they're, they're walking, they're on a journey, they're pursuing something, they're going towards the destination. And the destination is the mountain of God. Now the mountain of God is a picture of the presence of God. The mountain of God in the Bible, uh, Mount Sinai was called the mountain of God. And that's where Moses met with God and he received the Ten Commandments. He was in the presence of God on Mount Sinai. Uh, The mountain of God also points to the throne room of God. If you were to go to heaven right now and you were to enter into the throne room of God, you would be immersed in the presence of God. That's where God lives. That's where he sits on his throne. Okay, So there's a picture here of a group of people who are the children of God en route pursuing God, worshiping God, going towards the presence of God. Now, that's what we do, right? 
That's what we do every week here at church. We, we come into this place and we worship together and we're pursuing the presence of God. That's something you can do every day. You can pursue God in worship, pursue having the presence, the manifest presence of God in your life. And when you do that, here's what God does. Verse 20, let's see here. 20, verse 30. God will sound out in grandiose thunder. Display his hammering arm, furiously angry, showering sparks, cloudbursts, storm, hail. Oh, yes, at God's thunder, Assyria will cower under the clubbing. Okay? Now, Assyria is a picture of the enemies of God. Okay, when you see Assyria in the Bible, it's a picture of the people who were warring against the people who were not God's children that were fighting against God's children. And it says here that God is going to come after them, that God's going to declare war on them, that he's going to pull out his hammer and start smashing them. Look at what it says. Every blow God lands on them with his hand is in time to the music of drums and pipes. God in an all-out, two-fisted battle fighting against them. I hope that you're getting this like I am. I hope that you're seeing what I saw as I read this. God is, 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 what this says is God is looking for people, his people, his children, who will pursue his presence. And as they're pursuing his presence and pursuing, encountering God, here's what God does. He starts smashing your, your enemies. He starts going to war on them. He takes out his hammer and he starts blasting them. Amen? If I could drop a mic right now, I would. But I can't. It's on my head. So, But listen, this is good news for us today. Here's what this says. God beats the enemies of his people to the soundtrack of his people's worship. That's awesome, isn't it? When you worship God, God goes to war on the enemies of your life. And the favorite soundtrack for, for the strength of God is your song. When we sing and we worship God, we empower God to go to war on our behalf, to help us, to bring strength to our weakness, and to fight against the enemies of our life. Worship is not just the section of church where we, we start this church off with a few songs so that everybody can kind of get into the room and get warmed up. No, I don't want that. I don't want to be a church where we just you know, sit there and watch the band do their thing. I want to be a church that worships God. And you need to be a person that worships God. And here's why. Because it, God wants to help you. He wants to fight your battles. He wants, to, he wants to declare war on the enemy against you. And when you worship, you empower God to do just that. So there's, there's three times. I want to I give you three points today. Three times in our life when we need to be worshiping God. We need to put worship in front of what we're facing. Three, three times. Number one is this. Worship before it goes down. At the first sign of a battle, it's time to worship. At the first sign of trouble coming your way, it's time to worship. Second Chronicles chapter 20. There's a story about this guy named King Jehoshaphat. And King Jehoshaphat is the king of, of, the, of the people of Judah. And he's in his, his, uh, his little throne room one day. And a couple of his spies come in and they give him some terrible news. There are three armies that are coming against them. Three enemy armies that are coming against them, ready to attack them and ready to fight them. Let me read this to you, verse 1. It says, After this, the armies of the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the Meunites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, A, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. Okay, so Jehoshaphat just finds out, he gets this report, that three armies, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the Meunites, are coming against him, and they're already nearby. And this is an overwhelming fight that's coming against him. 
I did some research this week and they, they calculated that this was probably about a 10 to 1 odds against them. That means for every one of the Judean soldiers, there were 10 enemy army soldiers that would be fighting against them. They were outnumbered 10 to 1. And this was totally overwhelming. And I know sometimes in our life, maybe you're in a situation today where there's something on the horizon. And when you look at it, it seems overwhelming. It seems scary. It seems like it's a lot bigger than you are. And it, it, it seems hopeless. That's where Jehoshaphat finds himself. The odds are not stacked in his favor. So what does he do? Well, look at what it says. Verse 18. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same. Look at what they did. Worshiping the Lord. Verse 21. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army. Singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. So what does Jehoshaphat do? He prays. He goes to God. He hears from God. And then what does he do? He puts the worshipers and the praisers out in front. He and the children of Judah decided to worship God in the face. Now, let me ask you something. Had they fought the war? No. It it hadn't even started yet. And yet they choose before it even starts to put praise out in front of them. And as they marched towards these overwhelming odds, the people that were marching out in front of them were the worship and the praise, singers and leaders of the, of the people. Now, he didn't do that to sacrifice them as like a, you know, sacrificial lambs before the slaughter. He did not like the band, and so he thought, well, we'll put them out front and kill them all first. He put them out in front because he realized this was the only thing that could fix this problem. There, there was nothing more they could do, so I'm going to put worship out in front of this. And so they sang their way towards this battle. And look at what happened. Verse 22. At that very moment, what very moment? The moment they began to worship and praise God. They began to sing and give praise. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. Another translation says that, they, that God sent an ambush against them. Verse 23, the armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies, their, their friends from Mount Seir, and killed every one of them. So a third of the fight's over now. And then look at what happens. And they, had, and they destroyed the army of Seir. They began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived, so this is King Jehoshaphat and his guys are coming over this hill. They're getting ready to see this, this overwhelming fight that's against them. And look at what they came upon. At the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. Not one. Who killed the last one? (laughs) But they're all dead. Now here's a question for you. How would you like, when you're facing difficult situations, how would you like it if God would go before you and set ambushes against your troubles, against your enemies, so that all you had to do was walk up on an enemy that's already been defeated? It goes on to say in the story that for the next three days, here's what they came up on. They came up on a scene that they plundered for the next three days. All they did was they went out and they collected goods and riches, and they went home with arms full of blessing. Isn't that cool? That's God. That's the kind of stuff God wants to do in your life. When you're facing difficult stuff and troubles, he wants to fight your battle in such a way with you that all you do when you get to the actual battle is just collect the goods that are left over from the enemy that he crushed for you. That's what God wants to do. 
And he can do that when you choose to worship him and put praise and worship in front of your troubles. I know there's some of you in here today, and you need to hear this. If you will give God your song, God will give you his strength. God will show himself powerful in your life. He'll show himself strong in your life. I don't care what you're facing today. I don't care what you're up against. It doesn't matter. I don't, I don't care what the doctors may have said. I don't care what the economic forecast may be. I, I don't care. Because if you've got God on your side, if you will sing at your problems and sing to the Lord, then you will see God's power work in your life and God will give you the goods. And you can walk with confidence into your problems. I, I love sports. As many of you know, I talk about sports a lot. And I've been to lots of different games uh, in my life, college, pro, high school, whatever, basketball, baseball, football. And I've noticed something about sports, especially about great athletes. Take, take football, for example. If you go to a football game and uh, you, you go to like an NFL game, uh, before the game, the, the different players will come out and they'll do their warm-ups. And I've noticed something, that the better a player is, the greater they are, the more they seem to enjoy warm-ups. You ever notice this? You'll see these guys that are like star athletes in the NFL, and they'll come out, they got headphones on, and they're going through their drills, and they look like they're having the time of their life. They're running through, they're catching passes, throwing the ball around, they're hugging the, other, the, the opposing players, they're high-fiving fans, smiling. They're, you see them like dancing and getting down, you know, the whole time. They're having a big old time. And then you'll see other players that maybe are not as, as, as good. Maybe third, fourth string, tight end, wide receiver, whatever. And you'll see them going through a lot of the same drills, but they don't have the same countenance. They're going through those drills, and they, they look really serious. They don't have headphones on. They're working really hard to make sure they're doing everything right. And here's some of the difference between the two of them. The star player understands his position. He knows he's got a starting position on the team. He knows what he's got that he's bringing to the table. And so he goes into the fight. He, goes, he, goes, he marches towards the game excited because he realizes that his strength is about to be on display. Whereas the other player, he doesn't feel as confident. He doesn't know his position with the team. And so he's trying to win the confidence of his team. He's trying to win a position because he, he doesn't want to mess up because he doesn't want his weakness to be exposed and that everyone would see him. He doesn't want to see, he, he's, he's careful and, and, and pulled back in reserve because he doesn't, want to, he doesn't want his enemy to gloat over him or show him up. I want you to know something today. You're the star player. In this scenario, you're the star player. And here's why. Because Jesus was the star player. Because he went into the battle and he fought it and he won it. And because he won it, you can win it. And because he won it and, he, and, and you can win it, you can walk towards your battles with confidence. You can enjoy marching towards the battle because you know you're going to win. And you know that your strength, the strength of God that's in you, is going to be displayed for all to see. The Bible says this in, in Colossians 2.15. It says, in this way, he, talking about Jesus, disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. I love this next part. It says, he shamed them publicly by his victory over them at the cross. See, Jesus didn't just win for you. He, he, he shamed the enemies. He embarrassed them. And because he did that, you can do that. You don't have to be afraid of your enemy. You don't have to be afraid of the circumstances against you. Jesus already won. You can have confidence. You can have some swagger today. 
I don't care what you're up against. Jesus won. You can have confidence. You're a star player in the kingdom of God. You have a position. He's given you a position of authority and strength that you can move from. That's where you are today. So listen, you can walk towards the battle. You can walk towards the fight at the, at, at the outset with confidence. And you can lift your hands and you can worship God because you know what will happen when it's all over. So we worship God before it goes down. Number two, we worship in the middle of it going down. Maybe you're here today and you're in the middle of the fight. And maybe you even feel like you've lost. You've taken some hits. And it feels like you've lost and, and, and it's hard, right? There's a story in Acts chapter 16 about these two guys named Paul and Silas. And, and Paul and Silas had been preaching and they'd been ministering and, and sharing with people the gospel and, and preaching this message of Jesus Christ. And there was this little fortune teller girl that was following them around and bothering them. And one day they turned to her and they cast this demon out of her. And when they do, uh, now she can no longer tell fortunes. And so the people that were kind of using her were no longer able to make money off her anymore. And so they got mad about this. And they formed this mob and they went after Paul and Silas. It says this in Acts 16, 22. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. And the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten. And then they were thrown into a prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. So here's Paul and Silas. They're, they're, doing the, they're, they're preaching the gospel, doing what they're supposed to be doing. And, and they get this mob rises up, takes all their clothes off, strips them naked, beats them, and then has them thrown into this inner dungeon. And when you study this out, the inner dungeon of this prison uh, was actually uh, more likely an underground sewer. So they were in the sewer of the prison in Bible times. This was a nasty place. And they were put, it says they were put into stocks. The stocks that they were put in were these, these wooden boards that had these different holes at different lengths out. And, and they could set them in these stocks in such a way that it would cause them to be stretched and it would cause severe cramping to just be constant. And so here they are, Paul and Silas, in the inner dungeon, which is where you put people when you don't want to see them anymore. They're in stocks. They've been beaten. They're cramping. They're in pain. They're in a, they're in a There's probably raw sewage all around them, rats. I mean, it's about as bad as it can possibly be. It says in verse 25, around midnight, which midnight is the darkest hour of the night. Look at what they were doing. In that situation, with that background, here's what they were doing. Paul and Silas were praying and look at this, singing hymns to God. They were worshiping in the middle of a mess, in the middle of darkness. They were worshiping God. And look at this. And the other prisoners were listening. Now think about this. They're in the inner dungeon, in the sewer system of this prison. And yet the other prisoners could hear them. <laughs> Here's what that tells me. They weren't just in there going, Kumbaya, my Lord. They were getting it, Right? They were, they were worshiping to the point that everyone in the prison was able to hear them. And so here's what God does. Verse 26, suddenly. Everybody say suddenly. How many of you need some suddenly moments? Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake. And the prison was shaken to its foundations. Now that's fairly normal right there. But here's where it gets supernatural. All of the doors immediately flew open. And the chains of 
every prisoner fell off. It's one thing to have an earthquake. It's another thing where there's an earthquake and nobody dies and all the doors open and all the chains fall off. This was a God-ordained earthquake. Why? Because they were worshiping God in the face of darkness. And when they did, it empowered God to come and to move and to work on their behalf and to bring freedom to them and to everybody around them. That's what I love about this story is we see that not only did God bring freedom to Paul and Silas, he brought freedom to everyone around them, people who weren't even believers. And you know what? That can happen in your life. You know, as you praise and worship God, that it empowers God to start ministering the people around you in your sphere of influence. That's why we encourage you when you're in here to, to lift your voice and lift your song to God because there's people sitting in front of you and behind you and beside you that have chains on them. And as you worship God, those chains begin to fall off. Can I get an amen? So that's why we do this. This is important. We need to be worshipers. We need it. God wants to fight for you. He wants to help you, but you gotta, you got to participate. A few years ago, um, it was before our, our first son, our first baby was born, Gus. He, Sarah was pregnant with him. And uh, we were kind of working as self-employed uh, people at that time. And if you're self-employed, you know health insurance is the worst, right? <laughs> and so we had really bad health insurance. And we knew that um, having our son meant we were going to have to pay a $7,000 deductible. And we didn't make a ton of money at this time. But we had been saving, and we'd been really diligent. We'd been pinching our pennies, and, and we were on pace because we didn't want to go into debt to have a baby. We were on pace to be able to pay for him when he was born. Everything was looking good. Well, a few months before he was born, all of a sudden, I started having some car trouble. And so I took my car in to get it looked at, and I left it at this mechanic's overnight. And the next day, which just so happened to be Valentine's Day, I get a call from this mechanic. He calls me up and he says, hey, Josh, I've been looking at your car, and the exhaust, the exhaust system is, is messed up, and it's shot, and there's nothing we can do about it but replace it. And it's going to, with parts, labor, everything, it's going to be over $3,000 to get this fixed. And man, I was devastated. I mean, we'd been working so hard and saving so diligently, and man, I get this news. And on Valentine's Day which means i got to call Sarah now and tell her this. And so I hung up the phone with him, and I called Sarah. And I said, "Hun, I'm sorry to tell you this, but I just got off the phone with the mechanic, and I told her the news. And like any pregnant woman would do on Valentine's Day when she finds out this information, she began to cry. And so I'm listening to her cry. I mean, it wasn't like ridiculous, but she was, she was sad. I'm listening to her cry, and I'm mad. And I'm, you know... What happens? You start going, why us? We're doing everything. You know, I'm a tither. I'm doing everything. I'm going through all this stuff kind of in my head. And all of a sudden, God just said, I just heard Paul and Silas. Just, and I was reminded of this story. I just felt God was telling me, this is a dark moment for you. What are you going to do? And so I, I told Sarah, I said, okay, hon, I don't know what to do, so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to hang up the phone with you. And right here in my office, I'm going to put on some worship music. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to worship God. I said, you can do whatever you want to do. That's what I'm going to do. And I'd encourage you to join with me. And she reluctantly agreed. <laughs> and so I hung up the phone. I put on some worship music. And I walked around my office with my hands raised. And I just praised God. And I thanked him for all the blessings and the good things he had done for me. I thanked him that my wife was pregnant with a healthy baby boy. I thanked him for all the 
the home that I have and the life that I have and that I'm saved. I just, I just began to worship God and I, I just spent about 10 minutes. It, I didn't, it wasn't long, but I just spent about 10 minutes and I just worshiped God until I felt peace hit me. And then I, I sat back down and I started, I started working. And then I got a phone call. And it was the mechanic. And he said, Josh, after I got off the phone with you, I got a thought. Yeah, you did. <laughs> and he said, I got to thinking, you know, maybe there's some kind of a, a, a deal with, with your car, like a, a rebate or something that we could, we could work out with this. And so I started calling around to check and actually found out that there's a recall on the exhaust system of your car. And I called a buddy of mine that works at the dealership that, of your car, and they said, if you just bring it in, that they'll, they'll take care of it for free. Wow. Right? Now, understand, let me, let me just explain to you. That mechanic took money out of his pocket to do that. Why? Because God showed up. Because I began to worship God, he showed up on my behalf. And he began to minister to a guy that's not even a Christian and talk to him. And that guy went to war for us. He didn't even know what he was doing. God was using him. And you know what? I got to call Sarah a few minutes later and say, Hun, you're not going to believe this. And listen, this week as I, was, as I was preparing this, I felt like God told me, for some of you in here, God wants to have some, you're not going to believe this moment. But what he needs in order to do it is your voice and worship. He needs to, for you in the middle of whatever you're facing today to lift your hands and lift your voice and sing and praise God. When you don't understand it, when you don't get it, listen, that's a gift that you give to God. When you have every reason to gripe and complain and whine and be sad and cry, when you worship God instead of that, you know that's a gift that you give to God? That's a sacrifice of praise. And God empowers that. It's a gift that you give to yourself. There's some of you in here, I, I know you're facing stuff, tough stuff. I get it. And you're facing situations where every time you think of this problem, you just want to cry. When you feel like crying, lift your voice and worship God. When you feel like griping, lift your voice and sing praises to God. Thank Him. And here's what God does. He pulls out the hammer. And He starts hammering away. And sparks start flying. And enemies start getting crushed. And doors start opening. God wants to do that for you today. But you got, you got to play a part in it. So we worship God before it goes down. We worship God in the middle of it going down. And number three, and I'm going to invite the band to come up at this time. Worship after it's over. And maybe you're here today and you feel like it's over and you lost. Well, let me just tell you this. If it ain't good, God ain't done. You're still in the middle of it. It ain't over. It ain't over until you win. That's how God wants it to be. And when we worship God when it's over... And we say thank you to him. It empowers God. You know, that's one of the things worship does, is worship says thank you. Uh, you, you see all through scripture that there would be different times in, in, in the Bible where uh, the people of Israel, would God would come through and would, would win this amazing victory for them. And what would they do? They would set up an altar, and they would praise, and they would worship God. And what, what were they doing? They were saying thank you. They were, they were bringing into remembrance the goodness of of God. That's, that's what worship does. It says thank you. I don't know how you were raised, but I was raised that when somebody does something good for me, I say thank you. Remember being a kid and somebody do something nice for you, somebody give you something, and your mom and dad would say, what do you say? You say thank you. And that's what we need to do. And you know, maybe you're here today and Thanksgiving is just a few days away, and maybe you find yourself going, well, Josh, I wish I could, but I got nothing to be thankful for. 
I've had a bad year. I've got some bad stuff going on in my life, and I can't think of anything to be thankful for. Well, let me just give you one thing that you can be thankful for this morning. If you can't think of anything, here's something. Be thankful that you don't get what you deserve. Because you know what you deserve? You deserve death. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And when it says death, it's not talking about you die and you're buried in the ground. It's talking about eternal separation from God in hell, burning for eternity. That's the death that it's referring to. And the wages of sin is death. The Bible also says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Anybody in here not sinned? That's right. If you raise your hand, you'd be lying, which is a sin. So good. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And so because of that, you put those two together. We've all sinned. We all deserve death. We all deserve hell. But you know, Jesus came and he died on the cross and he went through hell for you. He didn't just die for you. He went through hell for you. He suffered. He was beaten, broken, bruised. He went through hell. So you don't have to. And if you can't think of anything to be thankful for, there you go. You don't have to go to hell. You can go to heaven. You can have life eternally. You can have a heaven on earth experience here on earth. Not just someday in heaven, but here. That's what that's the will of God for your life. The Bible says in John 3, 17, for God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus came on a rescue mission to save you and to help you. We all have reason to worship today, whether things are good, whether things are bad, whether you're facing a mountain, whether you're standing on top of a mountain, we can all worship God today. And when we worship God, we touch him with our love. We thank him for his goodness. And as we do that, it empowers him to work on our behalf, to fight against the enemies of our life, to display his goodness and his favor for you. Listen, please hear me when I say this today. God wants to prove himself faithful to you. He wants to, he wants to bring circumstances in your favor in such a way that people look at your life and they say, man, look at what God did. And so I can't think of a better way to walk towards thanksgiving than to take a moment here at the end of the service and to worship God together and to act on what you just heard. Maybe you're here today and you're facing some darkness. Maybe darkness is on the horizon. Maybe you're sitting in the middle of it. Wherever you are today, I want to encourage you. We're going to do a song here. And this is, church is not over by any means. We're going to sing this song together and I want to encourage you to lift up the voice of God, praise Him like never before because we serve a great great God who is for you and not against you. And if God is for us, then who can stand against you? Nobody. So if you would, would you stand with me this morning? And let's get bold. Would you get bold with me this morning? Worship God like you mean it, alright? Let's do that. Would you lift your hands? Father God, we love you this morning. We thank you that we have victory through Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that as we worship you, that you go to war on our behalf, that you start swinging the hammer, God. And we see you this morning swinging the hammer. We see you busting down doors that have been placed against us. We see you taking those circumstances that are overwhelming to us and overwhelming them with your goodness and your grace and your power. So, God, we sing to you right now in faith, in the face of our circumstances, and we thank you for the victory that we have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.